You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Join us now on the Schneider Orange Hotline, our good friend Mike DeCourcy, the sporting news columnist and of the Big Ten Network, joining us. Mike, how you doing? I'm well, Bill. How are you? Doing well. So, uh, I mean, I know we heard from Barry Alvarez. There's a lot of things that are up in the air right now. But uh, looking at all the different sides of this, they just felt there was just no way to be able to to do this and to do this safely, correct? Well, that was the, that was the conclusion they came to, yes. So I guess part of it is, and I had mentioned this, I said, look, if there was a way to do it and to be able to get the money in and everything, they would have done this. It just, I don't think they had, I saw Darren Rovell say something about it was about the contact tracing, not just so much the testing, but then being able to kind of keep everybody, uh, not in a bubble, but to keep everybody out of harm's way. And there's just so many more people than there is, say, with even a professionally run NFL team. It just was impossible to do with opening up campuses, correct? Well, you know, I think the question about that, though, is if you, is and, and I wrote about this in a column on Monday, is if that's the concern, aren't the athletes at just as great a risk through everyday circumstance? And isn't the uh, consumption of their time being in football facilities or whatever other athletic endeavor, women's volleyball, cross country, whatever, isn't the time you spend in those circumstances somewhat taking you out of the threat of being in the other? I, I, that, that's one of the things that I felt you know, I, needs to be explored, and I think that's one of the things that's still under consideration in a lot of leagues that are still keeping alive the belief that they can compete is that I, I have yet to read anything anywhere that said uh, – we had a football practice, and, and because of that, we had this circumstance develop. It, 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 it almost every time that we have seen an outbreak among athletes, it has been, well, they had a party, or they attended a party, or they went to a bar, or whatever. Uh, you know, we had non-athletes at the University of Washington. There were over 100 positive tests at the University of Washington that were all traced back to their fraternities, uh, to their fraternity row. And, and I, so I, I think the question that I wanted to see addressed was, is it possible that the athletes are safer competing than they are not competing? And I know that competition brings in a lot of other elements, travel and that sort of thing, that could possibly enhance their risk. But I still believe that based on my experience in college and the experience of observing other college students while I was in college, that college, so, college society, so to speak, is, is where the risk is more so than in college athletics. 
Yeah, there was a lot of talk about uh, the idle time now that student athletes would have, and then, you know, you're out doing what college kids do. Uh, you know, on one hand, you're basically saying you don't have enough self-control to be able to stay in your dorm room and just strictly concentrate on the academic side, but we've all been there at one in one way, shape, or form. It's, it's you know, you want to do some stuff with your friends, and you can't guarantee whether or not your friends are going to be bubbled, and, and you know, it's, it's, it's almost if you get up in the morning and you go work out and then you go to your student advisor and then you come back for film study and then you go to practice and then you come back and concentrate on your studies and then you get back up and start over again it the structured atmosphere may keep you out of more of harm's way and the opportunities rather than just saying we're not going to play the season correct is that what you're saying that's, that's my you know and i think that is a possibility yes and remember that everybody that you're uh, encountering in within the football circumstance is is or should be tested Fairly regularly, and I, I don't think they were being tested every week in those circumstances um, during the training period. But in order to have a competition, you'd have to be tested at least once a week and probably multiple times. And so that so that ups the ability of of those who who endeavor to compete to assure that when athletes enter the field of competition that they are as they were before this virus ever exposed, ever, ever developed itself, basically going against others who don't have it. And that, if you, a lot of people who do what I do for a living have continued to, uh, to obsess over the fact that football is such a heavy contact sport and what happens on a, on a football field is such a, heavy contact sport but the whole point is as has been the case in the nhl which has uh, been able to conduct now i think two weeks of competition and three weeks of training camp without a single positive test in a, both in the open training camps and in the closed bubble environment of the playoffs uh, they have not had a single positive test so it, it shows that you can compete in a very high level contact sport if no one is entering the field of play infected with the virus. What do you think this does now uh, moving forward to, we'll, we'll say, the, the winter sports? Obviously, college basketball is the next up on the docket. And do we just look by the wayside and say, you know what, it's probably gonna, probably not going to happen for a lot of the same reasons? No, I, I don't think that. I, first of all, I don't think that, they, that uh, they can afford to have it not happen. I, I do believe that, that first of all, we, one of the things that we can do or, or can happen in this country is that the country can get its act together and, and, and stop trailing the rest of the world in dealing with this. Uh, you look at the European Union, uh, uh, the Asian countries, Korea, Japan, China to an extent. Uh, you look at, uh, at Canada, and the problem is not as prevalent there. It, it's not as widespread. It's not. It, it, it's not as if everybody's gone back to just you know having the same lives as they are, always have. But they are not as limited as we are in regards to what can happen, and and that's you know because this country has failed in large part to cope with the challenges it presents. So we can hope that, or we not hope, but. We can endeavor to, over the course of the next four months or so, change that circumstance and make it better. 
the the next thing though is that for those for for those who are in the conference offices and the athletic departments over the time that we have before the winter sports season starts they have to be planning they have to be thinking about okay how can we stage men's and women's basketball wrestling etc how can we do that safely oh at, what what can we do over these months and and i think one of the things that has to be at least considered is a conference bubble in the post-Thanksgiving time frame. Uh, most of the schools that are on campus are going to school. They are not going to have fall breaks, and then they're going to, at Thanksgiving, send everybody home for a Thanksgiving break, and then they may finish up online or they may not. they may have already completed finals by then, but they're not going to return students to campus in that in that uh, early December window that they always have in the past. Uh, so that creates an opportunity, a, a, a sort of a window for basketball, for the conferences to say, okay, can we create a bubble here? Uh, we we have this time frame. Can we create a bubble? Can we stay? You know, have teams play three conference games a week for four or five weeks and get in a lot of a conference season, if not all of it. And, and I think that's something that they ought to consider and, and would be, uh, it would be unwise to dismiss that possibility because it, it could bring significant revenue for them. It obviously wouldn't bring ticket revenue, but it could bring broadcast revenue that, uh, that they lost um, in, uh, in, ter- in terms of football in the fall. Uh, that they you know, and also put them in position to enter whatever NCAA tournament and the money that comes out of that. However, it's constructed, there will be an NCAA tournament. And if you're a conference, you want to make sure that your teams are positioned to be a part of that, so that you can get the revenue and the experience that goes with that. Talking with Mike DeCorsi of the Sporting News and the Big Ten Network. Before I let you go, so what are the ramifications down the road? Do we suddenly see sports that aren't really revenue generating or maybe siphon off some of the funding eventually begin to fall by the wayside because when they try to put this thing back on the track, whether it's this fall or uh, this uh, spring or fall of next year, that there's going to be such a, a calamity and cluster because of money and scholarships and such, they're going to have to really start to thin the herd? You know, it's it's – it's, a, it's going to be a challenge for everybody. We have seen certain schools that have already cut sports as a result, you know, in the, in the course of the pandemic, and it's being presented as, as a result of the pandemic. I don't honestly believe that most of the schools that have cut sports to this point have done so as a result of the pandemic. I, I look at Stanford, which easily could fund the sports they decided to cut. I think they used uh, the, the opportunity to cut sports without a significant backlash because they decided that it was, you know, that, that they didn't want to be engaged in those sports any longer for whatever reason. And I, used the, I wrote a column about the University of Cincinnati back in April when I think when, when they eliminated men's soccer. University of Cincinnati has always been a little bit out of kilter relative to Title IX. Uh, they have not had any success, or, or they have had very little success competitively as a men's soccer program. And they have, this is true, they, they had 6,800 fans last year. Not on average, that was their entire season. Uh, they were averaging about 650 people or so per game. Uh, so there wasn't that much public appeal for it. It was certainly important to those who play, but it wasn't important beyond that. Uh, and so they decided, we can do without this. And now is a time we can do this. 
and we won't get a lot of heat for it. I, I think that for those schools that have that that have budget issues and that might need a temporary uh, band-aid or whatever to to retain all their sports, I think the people who care about those sports who are alums are probably going to have to be active and engaged in trying to save them. Uh, I, it, it, I can't say what sport at what school, but whatever sports appear to be endangered, I think they're going to have to be actively engaged at those schools and say, you know, we'll raise the money for you to get through until things get back to normal. Mike, great stuff. Uh, certainly interesting reads right now via the sporting news and such and uh, weird times that we live in, and hopefully we're talking about sports being played the next time you and I converse, okay? That would be lovely, Bill. Thank you. Appreciate it, pal. Talk to you soon. Mike DeCourcy of the Sporting News also works with the Big Ten Network as an analyst. You can find him at TSN Mike at TSN Mike. Joining us on the Schneider Orange Hotline, Schneider hiring drivers right now. You work hard and they treat you fair over 85 years they've been doing it. Call them 844-PRIDE or go to schneiderjobs.com. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.